1: On your Thursday episode of Locked on Raptors, the Toronto Raptors put on a masterclass of defense against the Sacramento Kings, taking down one of the best offensive teams in the entire NBA, holding them to a season low, we'll dig into how they did it and plenty of other key news and notes we've got scotty barnes and fred van vliet finding chemistry precious achua just doing all sorts of crazy stuff that we're going to talk about it all with jamar hines today on locked on raptors thanks so much for hanging oh look like, because when i shot it, i expected to make it so like i don't shoot kind of this so.
0: you are locked on raptors part of the locked on podcast network your team every day
1: What's going on? Welcome to episode number 1328 of Locked on Raptors for Thursday, January the 26th. I'm your host, Sean Woodley. We cover the Toronto Raptors now for nine seasons on various platforms. You can find all my work over on Twitter at WoodleySean. You can follow, support, uh, subscribe, follow, rate, review, all that good stuff to all of your favorite audio feeds on your favorite podcast apps. And of course, we're on YouTube. You can go hit the big fat red subscribe button. You can't miss it if you go to the Locked on Raptors YouTube channel, support it there. It's so appreciated when you do that and join our little Locked on Raptors family over here on all the various platforms on which you can find the show. Today's show is brought to you by our friends over at FanDuel, the official sportsbook of Locked On. Make every moment more. Visit fanduel.com slash Locked On today to get started all right on today's show coming off a banger 113 95 the raptors take down the sacramento kings to open up their seven game western road trip the kings came into this game one of the best offenses in the league the best offense in the league i think since the start of the month they have been on a heater and the raptors just completely flummoxed their asses and we're going to dig into that today with Jamar Hines we got the good the bad and the hmm coming up later on I want to talk about Scotty Barnes and Fred Van Vliet and why that duo does actually work together but first Jamar Hines Raptors Republic how's it going my man
2: I'm pretty good I'm back here with uh, Bengals attire like I promised (laughs) last time if they were still you know in the playoffs I was going to do that (laughs) and they're still here and I expect them to be in the Super Bowl in two weeks and I'm going to do it again. I don't mean like I don't have much else attire as a, like a <laughs> 80 Dalton jersey that I, I terribly need an upgrade on or something. But, you know, it is what it is and it's ruled the jungle until it's not.
1: Hell yeah. Uh, we uh, are not going to talk about the Bengals on today's show, but if they're That's in the Super right. Bowl in two weeks time, I will give you a full like four minute Bengals section of the show just for you to go off and uh, have a good time with it. But uh, for now, we're going to talk about a really fun win, maybe the best win of the season. I think, you know, maybe inarguably the best season, considering the mm-hmm. Kings were at full health. The Kings were red hot coming in and the Raptors uh, like just completely completely. Neutered the one of the best offenses in the NBA. Jamar, I'm curious, sort of your big takeaways on the way the Raptors play defense in this game. Were there any particular standouts to you? What were your thoughts on the way the Raptors executed their scheme? We haven't seen them do that, do it very much this season, but I think this was probably the best start to finish defensive performance they've had all season long when it comes to sticking to their scheme and letting it work for them.
2: Yeah, uh, the Kings actually do have the best offense in the league. I don't know if they still have it like today after that game, but. Over the last, They still do. They
1: still they, do. Correct. I thought it was the Nuggets. My bad. The Kings, really good on offense.
2: Yeah, they just surpassed the Celtics and Nuggets not too long ago. But over the last well, eight games or so, the Kings have been averaging almost 130 points a game. So mm-hmm. it's like 10 more than their 120 average, and the Raptors held them to 95. Not exactly sure what Nick Nurse showed them in that video session, but... <laughs> When you talk about uh possessions that standed out, for me it was literally the very first possession of the game. Uh OG had a great closeout in the corner and then goes over to uh guards on uh, Sabonis and blocks him. And it it, it was his closeout where I just saw an intensity difference that I hadn't seen in a in a little mm-hmm. while. Uh and so that basically set the tone of the game for both the Raptors defense and Sabonis, because Sabonis had a. Uh, Nine points and nine turnovers. It's never a yeah. good ratio. He had yeah. he had double turnovers to assists. So and doesn't do well with double teams. Mm-hmm. Uh, he is a guy who ripped the Raptors the first game, although he had five turnovers in that game too. But he had a he had a twenty twenty game in that game, and mm-hmm. you know he hurt the Raptors on the glass. He was a big part of hurting the Raptors from three. Just just finding guys. Uh, I remember I remember the Kings. Out shot the Raptors from three, 17 makes to six, which is crazy. Yep. I think this game, it was only 13 to 12. I want to say, I think it was only one, yep. three difference. So, you know, the, the shooters weren't there. Remember this was a Sacramento team that started a game against the Grizzlies a few days ago, making their first 10 threes. They had yeah. 12 in the first quarter alone and they only had 13 in this entire game. But yeah, as the game went on, especially in the second half, uh, Sabonis was just getting swarmed. Uh, he, he went on a major turnover streak. Uh, the Kings had 19 turnovers in total, but yeah, this was some of the best defense the Raptors played all year and um it propelled their offense as you know, they, they tend to do. And even uh, Mike Brown gave the Raptors a lot of credit. It's always mm-hmm. nice to see um, the opposing coach give, you know, your team a lot of credit, but yeah, he said that basically, you know, they normally prioritize the possession game, and the mm. Raptors had way more shots than the Kings did. I think 24 one, four, more shots, 24 <laughs> more shots, and you're not going to win a lot of games when you know a team has 24 more shots than you, but yeah, he basically straight up said that you know the Raptors kicked their ass in multiple facets of the game, and mm-hmm. def- defensively, they were all over the place, and nobody really got in a rhythm. Uh, I remember another possession, I want to say. I want to say it was the third quarter. Maybe it was the fourth. I don't remember.
1: But I mean, the third quarter on its own could just be like its own. Yeah, podcast. that was, because Yeah, that, that was a masterclass. Incredible.
2: But I, I remember a specific position uh, possession in the second half where you know the previous game, Darren Fox was getting it to the paint
1: mm-hmm.
0: and
2: either scoring or finding somebody, and he was basically stonewalled. He couldn't get into the paint. He had to take a, he had to take a contested mid range. Ended up being an air ball. Uh, the Raptors. I want to say. I want to. Say Fred hit a three the other game on uh, the other way, uh, mm-hmm. put the lead to 18. And that was kind of just, you know, how, how things were going the, the entire game. It was one of those complete efforts that we haven't seen a lot of, especially defensively. You know, we mm-hmm. all know the defensive struggles over, especially the last month or so, where they've been pretty bottom tier defensively. So, you know, you, you hope that they can sustain this. It's not just a one off, but yeah, whatever, whatever they were showing in that video session, it really seemed <laughs> to spark the team.
1: Nick Nurse sure does love to uh, you know, talk about how good those video sessions are, right? Right. It's not yeah. the first time this season, so yeah. <laughs> uh, it's like, what? All we had to do was just listen to me, and of course, everything went perfectly. Um, but, I mean, it's hard to argue with the results, right? I, I think you know, this isn't a unique point. I, I do think the Kings, their offense in particular, is sort of conducive to getting messed up by what the Raptors do, just because the Raptors are all about length, getting in passing lanes, and clogging up. The areas in which they tend to work from, you know, you run Sabonis from the elbow or the deep post, that's where the Raptors can really kind of use their length to their advantage it's when you kind of run high pick and roll and you're forced to make decisions and how you're guarding it. There's more space to account for that. The Raptors can kind of get off the rope as it were a little bit. And you know, they kind of their rotations fall behind. Uh, Not the, not so much the case in this game. Yeah. There were still some corner threes left open. Kevin Herter had himself a really good game, but I think for the most part, the way they just bothered Sabonis, you know, I'm not terribly surprised because they tend to do pretty well against passing bigs, right? Nikola Jokic in the past has been someone they've even had success with just with their length and the way they bother him. So I think uh, it was just top to bottom. Everything the Raptors want to do philosophically, they executed in this game. And look, the problem is, it's hard to do it over the course of 82 games. And I don't think that this game suggests that their defensive system is foolproof, but I do think it suggests that there is something there and if it can be a part of their game plan a wrinkle that they throw at teams something they can go to for half of games as opposed to all of games I think there is like reason to kind of believe it in the way they play defense you know the, the, the argument has never been what it looks like at its best it's just how easy and sustainable is it to get to the best as often as you can um, I do want to shout out a couple of guys in particular I feel like everybody kind of pulled their weight defensively in this one But my God, Pascal Siakam, Jamar, was just everything on the defensive end. That third quarter, he made just so many highlight and he's he, he's known for this right like the super duper highlight defensive plays that kind of stand out against the backdrop a couple of help side blocks at the rim um just kind of being there as a presence around the bucket just man what were your thoughts on see Occam's defensive game obviously he was excellent offensively too 26 11 and 7 uh making Keegan Murray wish he were back at Iowa uh, Iowa is that where he played who's to say uh <laughs> but either way um Thoughts on Siakam's defensive game because I thought he was a particular standout among a whole bunch. I mean, Precious Achua was incredible. I thought Fred had himself one of his better defensive games, especially as a help off-ball guy. Scotty was killing the the rotation game. Boucher was blocking everything, but I thought Siakam was kind of the star defensively for me.
2: Yeah, and that third quarter that you know we we mentioned before that everything was on full display, and that's kind of how the Raptors pulled ahead of this game. But yeah, he had that quarter alone, he had a couple of blocks, as you said, and then he, he had thrown a couple of steals as well. And yeah, it was that was the prototypical game. I nurse is gonna go back to he doesn't have to show tape from last season now. He could he could show tape from this particular game anytime the Raptors fall off defensively. It's like, okay, this is what <laughs> we're supposed to do. But yeah, Pascal was probably the best defender on the Raptors last night and yeah, I don't have much else to say.
1: For sure, uh, we're going to continue on. We're going to get into some other highlights from the game. I want to talk about Fred VanVleet and uh, Pascal. Sorry, Fred VanVleet and Scotty Barnes and their chemistry and the way things are kind of moving along there. Uh, we'll get to the good, the bad, and the hmm at the end of the show as well. Before we do that, however, got to tell you about our friends over at FanDuel the official sportsbook of the NFL and of Locked On. And they are, of course, the number one sportsbook in America, which is why we're so excited to have them on board with us. If you're new to FanDuel, that's even better because they have so many great features that make betting on sports fun and easy. New customers join today and can get uh, $150 in free bets guaranteed when you place your first bet of $5. Just sign up at fanduel.com. FanDuel has all your favorite bets from the money line to point spreads to player props. Plus, you can even combine your bets for a chance at a bigger payout with a same-game parlay. Like I've said, when I am going to dabble in a little sports betting, it's usually because I'm at the game and want to enhance the live experience. What better way to get that same-game parlay going while you're in the house, watching the Raptors or whatever other team you're watching? It's a a really fun thing. It's all in an app that's safe, secure, and easy to use. So, football fans, basketball fans, hockey fans, the like – Place your first $5 bet to get $150 in free bets, win or lose, at fanduel.com/slash locked on. Make every moment more with FanDuel, official sportsbook partner of the NFL.
0: The NBA playoffs are right around the corner, and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs.
1: All right, let's continue on here with your first listen of the day, digging again into a thrilling Raptors late night win, making it worth the coffee I had at 8.30 p.m. that left me buzzing into the wee hours of the morning uh, with the win they pulled off against the Kings last night. I want to talk about Scotty Barnes and Fred Van Vliet and that uh, duo, if you will. Uh, Jamar, I, there's been a lot made this season about, you know, how Fred Van Vliet doesn't pass to Scotty enough. Those two guys don't complement one another. Uh, I don't get it, frankly. I, I've never really understood that. I think the idea of having a catch and shooting point guard working off of Scotty Barnes has always been pretty attractive to me. And I think over the last month, we're starting to see that come to fruition. And I do think Scotty's sort of renaissance as a center has been a big part of that you know, he's just an easy target on the short roll, on the regular roll, going up to the rim, whatever it might be for Fred VanVleet to hit. Uh, And, you know, the numbers are bearing out that that chemistry is coming along. Over the course of the last 25 days, since January the 1st, Fred's assisting on 2.1 Scotty buckets per game. Uh, The season average is about one, so it's, you know, totally inflated what was going on earlier in the season. And I just, I I think things are really working right now with Scotty playing as that nominal five. We'll talk about Scotty playing at point guard as well later on because that's bloody impressive too. He did it all in this one, but I I just as we get towards the deadline here which every game is going to inform the deadline in some way you would think. There's still an information gathering mode. Um, It doesn't seem like they're in any rush to make a call on what they're going to do with this team before February the 9th. Every bit of data is helpful and I just feel like Every little bit of a glimpse of Scotty Barnes and Fred VanVleet working with one another, with Pascal Siakam obviously in there too. I have no doubts about the way Pascal and Fred work or the way Pascal and Scotty work as a duo. It's that Fred-Scotty duo that I think has been this sort of point of contention for people i just think it works and you know it's not always perfect sometimes fred can dribble a lot and scotty will stand there and be like hey give me the ball sometimes scotty can go and rogue a little bit and not sort of play within the flow of the offense i don't think it's on one person necessarily but i just feel like as you're thinking about what this team is going to look like in the future fred van vliet playing the way he has of late at a rough shooting night last night but an incredible defensive game that's really encouraging considering where he's been at on that end this season. I don't know. I, I just feel like a trio of Fred, Pascal, and Scotty can really work, and I, the way Fred compliments those two, as much as he struggled this season, when he's at his best, which he has been over the course of the last month, it is a really good partnership with both of those guys who are the core tenets of your franchise. And I just think last night was a really good example of that, you know, just the way Scottie works in the middle. Obviously, neither of those two guys were the offensive stars for the Raptors in this one, but this was an observation I picked up on throughout the game. And I just think, you know, Scottie getting those passes from from Fred, being able to survey the floor early in the game, hits Pascal for a corner three, uh, is sort of carving up the team from the middle of the floor, uh, the, the Kings defense defensive middle, middle of the floor the whole night, you know. What are your thoughts on the way that duo is working, how it can work going forward? Um, you know, there's lots of fit questions on this team. I just don't know if this is one of them.
2: Well, as long as Scotty doesn't toss his mouth guard when he doesn't get the ball, <laughs> like you saw Steph did yesterday, <laughs> I think we'll be all right. But no, you know, in all seriousness, I think you nailed it when you said, you know, since uh, scotty has been playing more of a center role, there's been a lot of uh, rolling for Scotty, and Fred has been finding him. I can't remember exactly which game it was, but that was a major emphasis on one of the Raptors re- uh, wins earlier. The
1: Portland season. game, if I recall, was a big one for that.
2: Uh, yeah, I want to say, yeah, yeah I want to say, it's, I want to say it's the Portland game. But yeah, ever since scotty has been, you know, as the season's gone along, you know, Scotty's played, you know, some different roles, you know, uh, a lot earlier in the season, he was on the perimeter a lot more and he was taking, he was taking more threes. And there is a point in the season where Scotty was encouraged to take like five threes a game, but it's not completely necessary. Mm-hmm. So, around those times when he's on the perimeter, there is kind of really no way for Fred to give him the ball and you know, in an effective type of way out, mm-hmm. outside of just swinging it and yeah. you just look at to Scotty. He's only like a thirty percent three point shooter at best, so it's not like your best type of offense. But specifically since they started uh, featuring him as a big and having him roll to the rim. It, it, it's been a thing that's really worked and Fred's talked about this for a while now how you know he kind of uh wishes he had a guy that he could you know play do a one five pick and roll and do some rolling with. He, you've seen him do it with colloquial a little bit from time to time this season mm-hmm. so yeah putting scotty in that position has really worked um the short roll stuff has really worked i do think it's the portland game now because the short roll yeah the Nurkic wasn't Nurkic was playing drop, and then that opened up a lot of uh, offense for Scotty to even mm-hmm. shoot like one of those little floaters, or you know get all the way to the rim. So yeah, it was the program game. Could call him that, but yeah, it's it's worked more and more as the season's gone along, and that's honestly Scotty's best role on the team. I think that those are where his numbers are the highest. And then you know when Scotty's rolling, it's not just for him to score. Uh, he's he's a willing passer to find anybody else who's you know breaks open. From three, you know, if there if there's help or you know a cutter, I know the Raptors don't should cut more than they do, but
0: hmm.
2: <laughs> I know they should cut more than but they do. But okay, Wancho's so like have...
1: I'm here, I do it, I do Wancho,
2: it. <laughs> Wancho does it. We need more people to emulate what Wancho does in terms of cutting. There, there isn't mm-hmm. enough of that, but yeah, it, it there's definitely been more uh Fred Scotty um, offensive chemistry than there was, I uh, like say two months ago.
1: For sure. And I think the way, if you're someone who's like, well, you got to get Scotty on ball reps, uh, the way you do that is what we saw last night, what we've seen in a lot of games recently, where Scotty Barnes becomes your de facto point guard for your bench lineups. And that worked. Once again, they've had a lot of success with that. They did against the Knicks. Um, They did against the, the Kings last night as well. And the start of those fourth quarters, man, like it's maddening how little this team seems to need from their transitional lineups to just be good over 48 minutes. But it really might might be a thing here where Scotty running with those groups, whether it's with OG, whether it's with Gary, you know, they brought Gary in yesterday in the the back part of the fourth quarter just, you know, to, I think, offer a little bit more shooting life into that lineup as opposed to what OG's doing. I got some thoughts on OG coming up in just a sec, by the way, but I, I just think, you know, that's a way it's 48 minutes over a game. Like you can get all of these guys, their pockets where they get to kind of go and cook. And we know what this team can look like late in games when they are on the string, when they are just playing within the flow of the offense. Again, they're 22 and 27. A lot of these things need to repeat themselves a whole lot of times for anyone to feel confident that this is something that's going to carry forward here. But you're looking for things that can be the sort of grappling hooks that you use to climb out of the hole you're in. And I think Scotty running with these bench lineups, you get him... Those on-ball reps, so maybe he's satisfied with those. You also have him as your sort of nominal five with your regular lineups. And by the way, uh, Scotty yesterday against DeMontis Sabonis, who is 6'11", did not look overmatched or, you know, frankly smaller than DeMontis. Is he just 6'11"? I don't know. Maybe I'm a a Scotty Barnes height truther, who's to say, but... I just feel like those scotty lineups might be an actual avenue here to keeping pascal's minutes down pascal played 34 minutes last night he got to rest eight minutes before the halfway point of the second quarter that's because scotty's been able to run with these groups and make them work mm. uh and you know with precious doing what he's doing in those lineups as well we're going to talk about precious too uh you know i just it's really really interesting to me these these groups you know i pulled up here the four-man trio of scotty wancho boucher and achua it's played 57 possessions together. It's not a ton but they are a plus 8.4 per 100 possessions uh over that time again teensy teensy sample barely matters at all but uh that's encouraging the offense is humming along incredibly well 130 points per 100 possessions the defense not quite as good but i think the defense there is maybe the thing with the most upside depending on who that fifth guy is with that group um it's just they seem to have found something there and that seems to maybe allow everybody their own little pockets of the game with which they get to play with the ball in their hands and this is the difficulty of being an nba coach it's a difficulty of rotations managing personalities managing you know different guys agendas and things they want to do with th- their time on the floor and i feel like maybe just maybe we're starting to get to some sort of balance and equilibrium with the way the team is playing and the way the guys are getting their own little pockets within which to go and cook and yeah, for scotty just a like a, a cool ass line. <laughs> Seven points, six boards, ten assists, uh, one turnover, by the way. Uh, really fun game from Scotty. And I think there's a lot to you know, believe in there, I think, as far as his relationship on the floor with Fred and Pascal and the things he can kind of do on his own as well. Maybe best of both worlds there.
2: That's kind of uh, a dream online.
1: Yeah, truly. <laughs> like, and like that's the impact he can have. Except he can actually look at the basket and score whenever he wants. <laughs> like it's yeah. he's not the shooter that maybe prime Draymond was, and like no one is Draymond Green. He's not Draymond Green defensively, that's for damn sure. But as far as the impact on the offense, you know, get yeah. get Scotty Barnes in the middle of the floor making decisions off of a Fred Van Vliet pass or a Pascal Siakam pass, and I think you are in very good shape. And I think we also saw last night too. You know, they were smart when the Kings started trapping Fred at the top of the pick and roll. He was having trouble sort of getting through those doubles with the length. And all of a sudden, oh, all right, we'll just have Pascal or Scotty handle the ball. And that wasn't a problem anymore. It's nice to have options. It's having more than one player who can dribble. A good thing, as it turns out. Just because they overlap sometimes doesn't mean you just go ship one of them off. Um, Are you, like, where are you at on the Fred thing, Jamar? I I feel like I ask this to everybody who's on the show. Uh, Their various thoughts on various guys being traded. But for Fred... I feel like maybe the last month has calmed the waters a little bit and maybe there's a little less worry about what his next deal might look like. Um, where are you at with the idea of moving him before the deadline or not?
2: I don't know what to think between Fred and Gary, because those Mm. two seem to be the highest commodities to be traded considering their contract situations. I mean, to me, it could still go either way. I think Fred is a guy that is probably if anybody's going to get traded at the deadline and this is not something I want, Mm because I I think Trent is a guy that we could really use in terms of a guy that can create his own shot and, you know, shoot from the perimeter and stuff. But if I were just to take a wild guess, I would say that they're more likely to trade Gary Trent at the deadline Mm -hmm. than to trade Fred, which again, I wouldn't want, but in terms of, uh fred and how long he would be here and stuff like that it's it's really it's really anyone's guess it, it, if they were to trade fred i would really want to see what they would get back and mm. who would be you know running the point but yeah it's 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 so hard to tell because you know rumors have been flying uh you know he he he's changing agents uh so yeah it's re- it's really it's really hard to tell what do i specifically want I don't even know.
1: <laughs> so <laughs> the 2022-23 Toronto Raptors just, uh, I, I, in a, a just sentence. Kind
2: of go, I'm just kinda of going with the flow here. I don't know what the yeah. hell, I don't know what the hell to expect. So. That's fair.
1: I, I think I'm well let's screw it. I don't think they should trade Fred. I think he's a guy who's really good. And yeah, the start of this season was just discouraging and concerning. And maybe the back end of whatever his next deal is will start to look a little iffy, but he's really good. And he's played like Fred Van Vliet for the last month and the way he compliments Pascal and Scotty, I think uh, is underrated and very important. And just because he's not the best version of his type of player in the NBA doesn't mean you don't need that type of player on your team. Um, You know, We'll, we'll get into some other trade stuff, I'm sure, in, in the next segment and uh, some thoughts on, you know, again, the fit and the weird overlap of skills and how it's all playing out. We'll get to that in just one second. Before we do that, however, just a reminder, Locked On Leafs is your daily Toronto Maple Leafs podcast of Locked On, hosted by Mike DiStefano and Dave Morissuti. They do a great job breaking it all down for you. They won again last night. The buds are good. And uh, Locked On Leafs, also extremely good. So go check them out wherever you get your podcasts and on YouTube. This is Jake
0: from Locked On.
1: All right, we've reached the good, the bad, and the hmm, the way we round out every single Raptors recap of uh, a game that took place the day prior, a good thing from the game, a thing we didn't like, and a thing that's got us a little bit intrigued. Let's start with the good, shall we? Jamar, what was your good from this game against the Kings, other than, you know, the easy answer, which is all of it?
2: Yeah, there was a, there was a ton of good, obviously, and I, when we were talking about Pascal earlier, this isn't my good, it's just something noteworthy that I forgot to mention, that mm um when we were talking about pascal's defense i forgot to mention that in an 18 point game with under two minutes left he's still diving on the court for a loose ball so you know that just told you everything about the intensity the raptors were playing yesterday but in terms of my good i will give it to the bench combo of precious and chris boucher which we haven't talked about too much in this uh pod so far but yeah uh boucher killed it in the in the second quarter uh, he made a couple of threes. We know all know that's been a struggle mm-hmm. this season. You know he had a he had a couple of blocks. Uh, he was one of the guys that was propelling the Raptors' offense, uh, just simply by you know being a present presence defensively. Mm-hmm. And then Precious really took over in the fourth quarter, and uh, for a stretch there, you know he's just just straight line drives, getting into the rim, finishing. Uh, I'm pretty sure Precious made a three in that in that stretch as well. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, Raptors only played eight guys. And Mike Brown mentioned that afterwards. Oh, Welcome to our Raptors basketball, Mike Brown. But, yeah. <laughs> Are you he new said, here? <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, he said two of, two of the three guys we just had absolutely no answer for. And mm-hmm. Precious uh, said after the game that, you know, there hasn't been a lot of games this season where, first of all, he he he's used to Boucher. And, you know, he says that they have a good chemistry together, which they do. And he said that there hasn't been many games this season. Where you know they've both gone off together, mm-hmm. part big part because of you know in precious long um time off the court because of sure. his injury, but yeah, it was really nice to see them you know they go off each other and you know take turns, kind of uh dominating the Kings where those bench minutes were crucial and that allowed a guy like Pascal to play only 34 minutes because that fourth quarter he pretty much sat half the he was able to sit half the quarter, and the Raptors yeah. didn't really falter all that much so yeah uh precious and chris boucher you guys get my good
1: yeah again it's gonna take a few more efforts from you know the deep bench guys or just not just the regular bench guys for me to buy into the bench being fixed or whatever but like this is this is what chris boucher was last year right just this completely disruptive uh sort of just like screwball of a player. You throw him in and it's just like, what the hell do you do with this guy? He's crashing the offensive glass. He's blocking threes. He's, you know, getting help blocks at the rim. He's really effective when he's on and he hasn't been on enough this season. And that's been a big part of the Raptors bench struggles on the precious side of things. Maybe he's just on all the time. Uh, He has been just a thrill to watch. And I get, like, butterflies in my stomach every time he touches the ball these days, because I'm just like, something cool is going to happen here. Something bad might happen, but more often than not these days, it is something very cool, whether it's a dunk or uh, something I'm going to get to in my hmm coming up in just a second here that's Precious related. But, man, that guy, the finishes for him, just kind of soaring through the air, through contact, He's so freaking strong. He doesn't get knocked off of his position in the air somehow. Like, he just kind of cuts through guys like a hot knife through butter in midair. He's, like, such an impressive athlete. I I put this out last night. He might be the best athlete the Raptors have had on their roster since Jamario Moon and, like, maybe that's even overselling Jamario Moon. Like, he's he's incredible, man. Like, I'm just... I'm having a great time watching Precious. I'm fully Precious-pilled. And last night, uh, you know, hopefully a lot more people got, got Precious-pilled along the way because that dude is the real deal. Uh, let's get to the bad, shall we? I will uh, go first here. I don't even know if this is a bad. It's more just a, uh, It feels a little uncomfortable. It's OG Ananobi's role definition. Uh. I, I'm... It's tough. There's a lot of guys who like to shoot on this team. And I think our Palisade Alvi over from Yahoo has made the point that, like, the guys they have on the team are almost too good to be the role players they need them to be. And I think OG is kind of indicative of that. I think OG is incredible when he's just bomb and catch and shoot threes, getting steals and scoring on the run, cutting and scoring under the bucket, sort of doing role-player stuff. He does it at a really high level. He's had, you know, seasons of 60-ish true shooting, kind of in that role-player, play-finisher, opportunistic-scorer role. I think it's just, you know, I've made the comment before, it kind of feels sometimes like his shooting is rushed. I don't think that's quite the situation that we've seen lately. I think if we've just seen, like, it's hard for everybody to do all the things that they want to do. And I do kind of find that in the moments where the Raptors offense is looking good, the times at which it's most likely to kind of get stuck is when it swings to OG. Because it kind of feels like he's in the process of deciding, all right, is this my time to go and get my own? Am I just going to bomb a three? Am I going to shuffle it along to the next guy? And I'm sure OG will figure it out given enough time. But I do wonder if just like the fit is something worth examining. And we've talked all week long about the potential of an OG trade and why I think maybe that is the move if you're going to do something before the deadline just because of the enormous haul you could in theory get back to sort of rebounds the roster and to the point of Precious, I wonder if Precious is good enough if he's starting to make it so you can kind of over overcome the loss of OG's defense if he were to trade him. It's not like it could totally blow up in their faces for sure uh, and be something they regret for a very long time, but... You know, and I'm totally fine if they do nothing as well. Right. I'll go with the flow, do whatever you know they see fit, whatever. But um, the idea of an OG deal becomes more and more interesting to me every single time I see him just kind of feel like a little bit lost in the offense. And with the way Precious is emerging, the way that, you know, Fred, Trent, Siakam, Barnes, Precious lineup, I think kind of has a lot of potential there. I, I don't know, it's not even, maybe it's more of a hmm than a bad, but I do feel like it's just, it's a bit of a, cl- a clunky fit right now for OG within the Raptors offense to find the spots where he can kind of go and get his and have it be like an effective play for the offense. What do you think about that?
2: You're not wrong on that. And I don't have a particular bad, so I'll just tag on the, to this topic. Mm. You're not wrong though. I've seen that a lot lately. People have seen that a lot lately where it's like, it's kind of like the, my turn type of thing where... Sure. Yeah, because you would love to OG to just, you know, be a 3D, 3D guy and, you know, do some secondary scoring when, you know, the ball's not going through a a Fred or Pascal or a Scotty. But there are those times where he, you know, he decides it's his time to have one of those possessions where he tries to create something off the dribble and you know it's still kind of clunky you know he's had his opportunities to you know see what he can do as a primary scoring option when guys have been hurt especially last year when Siakam started the season mm-hmm. you know recovering from surgery and that that kind of had mixed results but you know currently as we are right now he's still a guy that struggles to you know basically dribble and mm-hmm. get clean shots off it, it it's his stuff is still uh ro- robotic and He has a high tendency to just barrel into people and draw offensive fouls. Mm -hmm. So it is kind of a weird fit in terms of how to incorporate OG in the offense sometimes. And it's 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 inconsistent because you those games where you know he gets a lot of open looks from three, and you know, he might he might cut a little bit or he might have a post-up or something, he could end up with like a 25 or 27 points, and then and then we have these games where it's kind of like you don't know how to put him in the offense and he might end up with like seven or eight or something like that. So Mm -hmm. he's one of the guys where it's just you don't know if you're looking for a a specific amount of points or anything like that, you don't really know what you're going to get from OG any given day depending Mm -hmm. on just the circumstances, how teams are guarding and stuff like that. And that probably adds to his reported frustration of wanting to do more in the offense. Uh, I don't know how they remedy that, and yeah, it's just on one hand, it's like yeah, OG could probably do more in the offense. On the other hand, it's like he's not as good at it as others. Exactly, it's just, he's just not. He's exactly. just not. The, the, the skill set isn't there, and it's it, it, a lot of times it feels like it's, it's it feels like a bad possession when he's just trying to create something
0: mm-hmm.
2: isolation wise, and it's not even like a fact where okay, if he's bogged up and he tries to do something, and he's bogged up, he's going to find the right guy because he's mm-hmm. he's also not one of the better passers on the team. So yeah. a lot of times that just feels like a my-turn wasted possession if it's not someone else giving him a clean look and him being the fish, uh finisher as opposed to him trying to initiate offense. It is weird.
1: Yeah, and look, this could be something that's solved if Gary Trent Jr. is traded too, right? And you know, OG kind of assumes the nominal two-guard role on the team. He'll probably get a little bit more opportunity to go and cook. That but said, Gary's probably a guy you would rather have go cook, right? Yeah, it's, exactly. That's what his yeah.
2: shot creation as a two guard would kind of worry me. And yeah. then we'd get those those kind of uh, cringe worthy offensive possessions. That's my thing.
1: Yeah. Well, that's okay because you have shooting center, Precious Achua to go uh, and <laughs> be the Gary Trent Jr. Precious, I don't even know what to think of Precious, man. He he is a, he's a future basketball player if I've ever seen one. Um, yeah, and look, it should be clear, OG was good last night, 11-3, 2-2-1, 3-6 from deep, plus 24, best on the team, he had a couple moments, you know, steps in, hits a mid-range jumper, that's nice to see, it's just bigger picture questions, which all of these games are informing, I, I do think that's something to kind of keep in mind here, I do think most times, talented teams figure things out, but it might just be that, you know, it's it seems like he's not Rudy Gay. But I do think moving on from OG could have a Rudy Gay-like effect in that it balances out the roster while also just kind of defining the roles of everybody a little bit clearer. And, you know, it may be, again, it's could be a really bad idea. <laughs> like, it really could. But also, he may be at the absolute peak of his value right now. And maybe that's the time to strike while the iron's hot. I don't know. I don't think this is the last time we'll be talking about the OG question before the deadline, that's for sure. Let's get to the hum quickly. Mine is very quick. Precious Achua's is throwing passes on the run now, Uh, like getting the ball, driving, and then making heads-up passes to the corner. That's a problem for everybody else if that's a thing. I don't know if it is a thing that's going to sustain, but uh, he's looking a little more comfortable, a little less panicked and rushed when he gets into those sort of 10, 12-foot areas. And uh, boy, oh boy, I could not be more thrilled about Precious Achua right now, man. That's my hum is him just throwing heads-up passes on the run. Uh, What's yours?
2: Mine is uh Joe Wieskamp's uh 10 day. I think it should be expiring real soon. So mm-hmm. he had, I think he only did he only play in the one game in Minnesota
1: where he, I think he played in two, but he had the one game in Minnesota where he okay. the uh, one cemented game. himself among the Nigel Hazes of the world with uh, extremely good per game numbers for the Raptors okay. in their in their in their annals,
2: <laughs> yeah. So yeah, that one game really stood out, you know, make it made every three he took and stuff like that. And you know, we are the Raptors are going to re sign him right because well. I, as uh, Blake Murphy
1: noted, works. it makes more sense to do it again after the deadline, um, just roster oh, size-wise okay. and length of contract and all that. Um, so you know, it was a bummer they brought him in at the scores table to close the game last night. Yeah, and, and then, then he, the buzzer he, ran out.
2: Yeah, yeah he looked kind of he looked kind of dejected there. I mean, he wasn't able to get into the game, but yeah. Uh That's okay. He saved his per game
1: numbers as a Raptor. It's good. I, it's uh... uh
2: yeah, I would've I would have loved to see him get a get a few more shots. That's kinda like what you want to mm. do if a ten day and obviously every game, even Avon Williams was talking about how he wanted to see him in the game, but you know, a lot of fans have wanted to see him, you know, get mm-hmm. get more opportunities, especially how you know, the Raptors uh, traditionally struggle shooting from three. Mm-hmm. But yeah, that was my, hmm. you kind of answered it a little bit for me, but I was just wondering what the Raptors were going to do t- with him in his 10 day, because I'm pretty sure his 10 day runs out tomorrow.
1: Yeah, I I could see him coming back, uh, you know, after the deadline for sure, and we'll see how it goes there. But yeah, nice little run from Joe Wieskamp, and boy, having some shooting on the roster, that was cool for a hot second, wasn't it? (laughs) We're going to round it there. Thank you so much for tuning in. We'll be back again tomorrow to uh, take a look at the Warriors game and probably get, you know, a little bit more big picture about where things sit just uh, less than two weeks now. Two weeks as of today from the NBA trade deadline um there's uh lots of big picture questions to sort through with these raptors and uh that's i think what's made this season really interesting maybe disappointing definitely disappointing but a lot of really interesting and sort of big picture puzzle pieces to fit together and sort through so we'll do that tomorrow jamar thank you so much for hanging man it's always a pleasure and uh, anything you'd like to promote for the good people out there
2: yeah my twitter as always jamar j-a-m-a-r-b-h there's a link there to my Raptors Republic work. It's kind of a light week this week, but I am doing a preview on the Warriors game. Not the, I'm sorry, not even the Warriors game. What am I talking about? I'm doing a preview on the Blazers game after the Warriors game. Uh, I did a Kings preview uh, yesterday, but that passed. And who knows? The next time I'm back, will we have the same team?
1: That's a very good question. You'll be here on the morning of the deadline. Exactly. Uh, We could be talking about something completely different. Yeah, really excited to be talking about uh, new Toronto Raptor Dyson Daniels or whatever the hell. Uh, (laughs) That'll be fun. Uh, we will see you in a couple weeks, man. Good luck to your Bengals, and uh, we will round it there. You can find me on Twitter at Sean. Follow, subscribe to rate, review, all that good stuff. It's always appreciated when you support the show. And uh, have yourself a wonderful rest of your day. Go make your second listen to the day, Locked on Leafs. Like I said, really good podcast, covered a really good team. In the meantime, though, uh, see you later. Bye-bye.